How many of us believe that breakthrough is going to visit our house this year? Praise the Lord. I'm believing that with you. I'm believing that for my own life, and I'm believing that for your lives as well. And we believe that it is God's will for his people to live in victory and to receive breakthrough in every possible way. Tonight, we're going to be discussing the breakthrough we didn't even realize we needed. And if you would, go with your Bibles, please, to John chapter 4. We're going to read a few passages of Scripture this evening. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. It will be up on the screen for you. We're going to be reading John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. When you have it, please say amen. Starting in verse 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came down to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Father, we thank you for your word, which is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We pray that you would bless this congregation this evening to allow for us to hear your word and let it be a seed sown in good ground. And you would use me once again as an instrument for your honor, for your glory, to minister your word to your people. We ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, you may be seated this evening. The woman came at an odd time. She came around noontime expecting to find no one. But yet there was someone there. A man was there, a stranger. And when he asked her for a drink... She knew what that meant. In their world, giving and receiving water was an open invitation, saying, let's become friends. Let me know more. She pushed back. She didn't want to speak to him. Why is that? Because she was trying to remind him of their differences. You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan. Why would you ask this of me? But yet, here we have the Son of God in the flesh coming to sit down with her, and he wasn't concerned about her race. He wasn't concerned about her gender, because from his point of view, as the Word of God tells us, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave or free, nor is there male or female, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. He was seeing her for the potential that she could be, not by the labels that everyone had already been, been given her. You see, it was a common thing for women to go and draw water from the well early in the morning, but she knew, she knew that if she came around noontime, it would be clear. Yet there was Jesus sitting there resting from his journey. Yes, even, even the Son of God in the flesh grew tired in his journey. But there was a purpose in his waiting. He was waiting for her to arrive. Why don't we know why that she was excluded? But we know, we know someone like her, don't we? We know that sometimes in life we try to hide. 
that there are some situations in life that make, that make us feel shameful about, about who we are. That when the moment we accepted Jesus, something changed within us. That we received a freedom like nothing else. And the devil in his, in his limited power tried to bring us down from that very moment. And this journey of faith that we, that we have been called to live is presented with a number of challenges. But can I tell you that the answer to every single one of those challenges, challenges is none other than Jesus himself. And we, and we have been put in situations where we felt like maybe we were the outcast. Maybe we were the other. But Jesus, he didn't wait for the other to come to him. He went to the other. Aren't you thankful that Jesus extended his hand and went out to you? We, he, he, he came in the form of a man. And he humbled himself. So why? So that way he could, he could experience his life and, and remind us that every victory he ever received, we would be able to receive that victory and many more after that. He himself said, greater things you will do than these. So why would Jesus speak to this other woman? Why would he speak to this outcast? Why would he speak to an outcast of her own community nonetheless? And then he would ask this question. He didn't even ask, really. He said, give me a drink. Such a strange request. She didn't even know who was sitting there. But don't you know, conversations with Jesus reveal more to us than, we could, than it can ever be revealed with anybody else. Whenever you speak to Jesus, you're speaking to the Son of the living God, who's, who's, who's omniscient in everything, knows everything about us, and yet he wants to sit down with you, and he wants to hear about you. What are you dealing with? What's on your heart? What are, you, what are you battling with? And there's three things about her that maybe she didn't even realize about herself. But the first thing she was, she was weary. She was tired. How do we know this? Take a look at verse. Take a look at verse. Verse 11 for a moment. This is her responding to him. And she said, sir, you have nothing to draw with the well and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? What, what was she doing? She was inquiring about it. Where can you find it? If it so exists, where can it be found? And I feel like a lot of life situations, they present us with that. They put us in situations where maybe we hear about something so great. For example, it's God's grace that it wipes away every power of sin. We say, where can we find this? Does it really exist? These are questions the world is, the wor the world is asking. Is Jesus real? Is his grace really powerful enough to remove the power of sin? The answer to that question is very simple. It is yes. And this is the best thing that we can ever tell the world, that Jesus is real. And his grace that, that he has given to us wipes away every form of sin. And even us as believers, believe it or not, it's hard for us to believe that sometimes. Because there are some moments in our life, some very low moments, where they will pull us down to, to, our, to our lowest of lifetimes. And we think, is God's grace still real? The enemy will come and whisper those temptations in your lives. Why? To shake your faith nonetheless. This woman, she craved a water like nothing else because she knew that if she was going to get water from that well, she was going to have to keep coming back and keep coming back, and keep coming back. But whenever she got a taste of what the real living water could do, she would never thirst again. And this is the promise that God has guaranteed to us, that the moment you drink of his living water, you too will never thirst again. As weary, as weary as, as she was, as filled with guilt and shame as she was, the moment she realized that this would be a reality for her, all of that went away. And one thing I love I love about this is that as she was walking to there, it was a pathway of shame for her. Because she was walking to the well. 
And she knows no one's going to be there because that's the time that she set aside and she, she knew it. She studied the area. So that way she wouldn't have to encounter anyone. So that way she wouldn't be filled with shame. But yet, whenever she left the well, she was now walking in victory because she had an encounter with Jesus. How many times have we walked to the altar filled with shame, but we left filled with victory knowing that God met us here? Has anyone ever been to that altar before and laid yourself down and said, Jesus, what I'm dealing with is not more powerful than your grace, and I need you to remind me of that because I'm about to lose it. Have you ever had to really be honest with God sometimes? Yes. God already knows how we're feeling, and he just wants us to be honest with him about it. Can I remind you that there is nothing that has happened in your past that can hinder the grace that you were called to receive? Absolutely nothing. I promise you that. Jesus even said it himself. It's grace upon grace. It's unlimited in itself, but yet he would go the extra mile and say it's grace upon grace. It is a never-ending cycle of freedom. And let me also remind you this. The grace is not here to enable us to sin, but it is to rid us of its power. We say, how's that possible? Only through Jesus. As you will see people who are addicted to a particular lifestyle, or particular elements of this world, that the moment that they accepted Jesus, no matter how long the process took, they eventually received the freedom that they had longed for for so long. And everything else that they had tried to rid of it, it did not work. But the moment that they called on Jesus, he answered. And the process may be difficult. The process may take a while. But friend, do not, do, do not grow tired in waiting for God to move. I promise you, he will move. You need to just wait there in faith, believing he will move. Whenever I, whenever I was 14 years old, I had suffered with a variety, a, variety, a variety of different spiritual issues. I didn't know were spiritual issues at the time. Depression and anxiety being being one. The only reason I didn't commit suicide was because I was afraid of death itself. And you know, I, I went to church every time the doors were open. My, it was not a choice for either my mother or my six aunts. If my mom couldn't take me, one of my aunts made sure that they swung by the house to pick us up. It was great. At the time, it really wasn't, but I realize now why it was great. So one morning, there, there in Victoria, Texas, I'm 14 years old, I'm about to turn 15 in a week. And I'm sitting in the back where I would always sit and I would just put my head down. I didn't even stand during praise and worship. Pretty hard to imagine now. But yes, that's exactly how I was. And I remember one morning service was going long and I was getting really hungry. And I was just waiting for service to end so that way we could just leave this already. And finally, my pastor at the time, Pastor, pastor Deborah Cantu, she was making an altar call. And there was one, there was, she started to say something that actually I could hear. And it's... It's really bizarre what you can hear whenever you start to listen with faith. Because the very little, I kid you not, little faith that I had, I heard something that reached out to me. God allowed for it to be revealed before my ears. She said, someone here is tired of the way they are living. I'm thinking in my head, she is not talking about me. She said, you've tried everything else to try to rid of this issue you're dealing with. I'm like, she's not talking about me. He says, but you haven't tried this one thing. And I'm thinking in my head, what? What is this one thing I haven't tried since you know everything? I was really mad. And she says, you haven't tried Jesus. She said, if that's you, come out of your seat and come to the front. I'm thinking, you know what? I've tried everything. Why not? Why not just give this Jesus a try? Friend, I had been in so many church services up until, up until that moment, but I never once fully embraced what Jesus could do for me. Until that morning. And whenever I went up to the altar that morning, I didn't know a lot about prayer. 
But I did say a little prayer that morning, and I'll never forget the prayer that I said. I said, Jesus, if you're as real as everybody says you are, come and reveal yourself to me right now. And from that moment, he has revealed himself to me every single time I step into, I step into his presence. Why? Because I came, I needed a breakthrough I didn't even know I needed. I was weary. I was being held down by situations that had happened to me as a kid. And I felt like there was nothing I could do about it. But yet Jesus could do something about it. And he delivered me the exact freedom that I needed. Friend, it all begins with the decision. We have the authority to say over our life, weariness, you will not be in control of my life. If breakthrough is going to visit your house, these are things that have to, that have to be broken first. Because whenever you enter, enter God's presence with a weary heart and you do not allow for him to touch it, he will not move upon it. Why? Because he will respond to your faith. And if your faith says for it to be removed, he'll respond to that. You have to say, Jesus, I'm coming before you with all that I am, saying I may be weary, but I do not want to leave weary no more in Jesus' name. And let him do the work from there. And watch him work. It doesn't have to be in your life. Maybe it could be in somebody else's life. Maybe somebody in your household is dealing, is dealing with these issues. Yes, God will respond to your prayers. It just, ha- it just has to be in faith. The next thing, she didn't even, she didn't even realize well, what kind of thirsty she was. She thought she was physically thirsty. But friends, she was spiritually thirsty. There was something inside of her that could not be filled with natural water, but could only have been filled with spiritual water. She was craving a water that the well could not give. You see, whenever we drink regular water and pray for Brother Jake, he does not drink water that often, okay? But give me a Coke and I'll, and I'll, I'll drink it right in front of you, no problem. But whenever we drink anything, could be our favorite drink, could be water itself, we're going to eventually need another one. But whenever you... T- have a drink of Jesus. Whenever you have what he, what he has given to you in its fullness, you will never need to drink again. Whenever we found Jesus, praise God, we never had to find another. There was not another God we had to look for. There was not another feeling we needed to search for because God is more than a feeling. It's reality for us that whenever we accepted him into our lives, it broke away every yoke. It gave us a freedom like nothing else, and it gave us the ability to tell the devil no for the first time. Why for the first time? Because we didn't know what we were fighting up against up until that moment. Because as hard as the devil fights, God fights even harder. And God wins every single time. And I feel like some of us need to be reminded of that tonight. That if you're ever feeling like you're spiritually dry, that's whenever the enemy is at his strongest. Because he's trying to take you away from the very thing that freed you. So I'm going to give you a few ways to overcome spiritual dehydration tonight. The first one is do away with comparison. Don't compare your inch to somebody else's mile. You don't know what they went through. You don't know what battles they had to overcome. You don't know what fire they had to go through. But friend, every victory that you have and every journey that you're on, God has set it aside just for you. And it is one for you to overcome. And you don't know also what kind, what kind of battles may come in the future. All you need to trust is that God is going to fight for you every single time. I know it's easy to look at some people who think that they're, that, that they're living really great and think, oh, I wish, I wish God could do that for me. Well, friend, God's already doing something in you. Don't worry about what's happening with somebody else. It's for you. Whatever God wants to happen in your life, it will be yours. Say, Lord, let your will be done in me. Because oftentimes we can get so obsessed with what God is doing somewhere else or in somebody else or in something else. 
but we tend to forget what he's, what he's called us to do. There are ministries that are clouded because of this. People that are uh, people that think they're called to one area of ministry, but maybe God is calling them to another area of ministry. The only way to know is to seek God, friend, to seek him, seek his presence. The next thing we, we, we have to do to overcome spiritual dehydration is we need to stop trying to do things on our own. Sometimes prayer becomes the last thing we do whenever we really need, need, something, need something to happen. The very root of spiritual dehydration comes from this. Whenever we believe that we can start doing life on our own, that we can fix our family on our own, we can fix this, fin this financial crisis on our own, we can fix us on our own. Friend, if we could fix ourselves on our own, we wouldn't need Jesus. But we need him every day, more than we did the day before. And I need him every hour and every second and every time in between each second. I need him every time, every time I need to breathe. I need him every time I need to think. I need him every time I need to move. I need him every time I don't even realize I need him. We can't function without, without God. We weren't, we weren't meant to. And I also, I also want to point out that God has set teams in your life so that way you can fight together. Here are some examples of a team. Your family. And I'm also, I'm also going to emphasize this for a moment. The first area the enemy is going to try and strike is your family. He'll try to strike division to break the unity that God, that God has given to you. And the moment you and your family start to realize that together, y'all can fight it together. We cannot have divided houses, but we will have united houses by the blood of Jesus. Remember what Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can you declare that over your house for a moment? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The next thing is your friends. Make sure you have a team of friends who are building you up, not tearing you down. Faith-filled friends is what I'm talking about. And your church family. I love my church here at Kingsway Church. One of, one of my mother's prayers, the moment I moved to Bebo, she said, Lord, give Jake as much, of, as, as much of a family circle as he had in Victoria, even more so in Bebo. And by the grace of God, I have it. I love my church family here. The next thing you need to do to confront spiritual dehydration is don't allow a routine to become mundane, to, to become normal. Believe me, there's nothing wrong with having a routine, having a particular cycle and thing. In fact, it's something I encourage. I encourage you to read your Bible every day. I encourage you to pray. I encourage you to speak with other believers. I encourage you to come to the house of prayer. But don't ever do these things just because it's come out of a habit. Because if you come here... Just because, oh, I need to go to church just because I need to go to church. You're going to leave exactly the same way that you came. But I'm going to challenge you that every time you open the word, every time you pray to God, every time you come to the house of prayer, believe that you are going to receive something new every single time. They say every single time. Yes, that is possible. I love it whenever I read a passage of the scripture. I know I've read it many times before, but I read it this time and it just struck something new in me. It's like, Lord, how do you do that? How is it that I can read your word and it produces something new and alive in me every time I read it? So, friend, I'm going to encourage you with that. Don't make this a habit, but make this, but, but, but make this a spiritual work that you, will seek, that you will seek something new from God every single time. The next thing you need to do, and this needs to become a first thing in every one of our decisions, we need to make prayer a priority, not the last resort. Well, it's easy to pray when things are not going well. Friend, it's so much better, though, to pray whenever you're about to begin something new. Prayer is spiritual dehydration's biggest enemy. 
If you want to hear from God, this is the way that you will do it. Speak to him, and he will speak back to you. It may not be in that particular moment, but it will come. I promise you it will. I love my, I love my conversations with God. There will be some times that I'll, I'll hear him say something, and then it will come to pass later, and I'm like, oh, you're so good. There was one time I was driving with Pastor Isaac, and we saw an 18-wheeler, and I felt like the Lord told me something. And I didn't tell him anything. But he said, what do you feel like the Lord's telling you? And I said, that 18-wheeler right there. He said, God's saying I'm about to release a full cargo of blessing over Kingsway Church. And I saw that with my spiritual eyes. Why? Because I was praying to God. And friend, you would also be surprised how many moments are lost because we don't pray. The, rea- the, re- the reality is this. We must always pray first, no matter what the circumstance may be, even if it's a little thing. Oh, a few weeks ago, I bought a new TV. I bought it at, I bought it at this one place here in Beeville. We tested it out there. I came back later to, to pick it up. I said, let's test it one more time. I said, perfect. Yeah, let's test it one more time. And so it worked again. I take it home, load it up, unload it pretty heavy TV, and I get it up on the wall. So excited, I just, I, ju- I, I just couldn't wait to put it up, so I put it up on the wall. Put it up on the wall, put on the mount, everything. I'm so excited. I plug it in. I'm about to turn it on. It doesn't turn on. Friends, I had never prayed for a TV up until that moment. I put my hands on, and I said, in the name of Jesus, turn on. It was not turning on. So I take it back, and wherever I took it to, I said, for some reason, it's not working. And I heard two, two of the cashiers say to one another, is that the one TV? They said, yeah, this is the one. The Lord could have made it turn on at that moment, but I probably would have had problems again. But I wouldn't have known something was up if it would have turned on at that moment. Even at that, in this little situation, I could still sense God was looking out for me. And don't you love that? Even in the little things of our life, God is still looking out for us. And he takes good care of his people every single time. The next thing you need to do to confront spiritual dehydration, friends, is equip yourself with spiritual mentors. Does anybody in here have a mentor? Raise your hand if you do. Yeah, praise God you do. I do too. I have a number of them. Because you need to have people in your life that you're giving, that you're giving permission for them to, be, for them to hold you accountable. How are you doing today? What, is God, what has God been telling you to do? I love the fact that whenever, the, that whenever I joined here at, King, at, at Kingsway Church, Pastor Isaac became a spiritual father of mine, and he, watches, and he watches very closely over me, and I thank God for that every single day. And I told myself, so one of these days, I'm just going to write a book called, called Everything I Learned from Pastor Isaac. Because I feel like I've learned at least one thing, one thing from him every single day, even, even if I haven't seen him. Because there will be things that the Lord will try to, that, try to reveal to me that for some reason I'm not seeing, but the Lord will put in his spirit to ask me, and I didn't even realize that it was an issue building up in my spiritual life. I'm thinking, Lord, you're so good for that. That he really does give our shepherds watch over their sheep. So if you're a mentor to anybody else this evening, I'm going to encourage you, don't let up on them. Don't give up on them either. 
and also take advantage of the opportunity you have to mentor the people in your home. That you would be able to share to share with them the peace that comes from the Holy Spirit as well as the message of the gospel, every opportunity that you get. The third thing, the third thing about, about this woman, whether she realized it or not, but she was hungry. For me, I realized that there was a, a during that time, whenever I accepted Jesus, it just began to change dramatically. And I remember three months after. I would just wake up at like 3 in the morning, and I just got this crazy urge to just start writing sermons in the middle of the night. And at the time, I would write out my sermon word for word. So like, it would it'd be like 14 pages of a sermon. Yes, I know. <laughs> and so, I just, I couldn't shake this urgency in me that I'm just hungry for them. Well, why am I writing sermons? And finally, one night, I was laying down on the couch, and I was listening to a song called Sing a New Song, and I heard the Lord speak, and I felt it, felt it upon him, I, I, I felt it upon me for me to ask my pastor if I could preach. I had never been so scared to make a phone call before. So I called her. I said, Pastor Deborah, I feel like the Lord is telling me I need to preach. And she says, all right, in two weeks on a Thursday night, you, you'll preach. And I've heard a lot of other preachers say that their first sermon was like 5, 10 minutes. I don't know why, but mine was an hour and 25 minutes. And I didn't use this because I was afraid to hear my voice. I'm not afraid of that no more. And I realized that there was a hunger developing in me that I had never that I had, never had before. And aren't you thankful, guys, that every single spiritual hunger that we could ever have before God, he finds a better way to fill it than we think he could ever provide. So much better, so much better is he for us. One thing I love about him, and I hunger for it every time, is his love. I love his love. Sounds funny to say, but that's the reality of it. That his love is so much greater than mine. That his love would wipe away an eternity, an eternity of sin. And it, would, and it would allow for me to enter into companionship with him, knowing that I can walk with him every single moment of my life. There's three things I want to tell you about spiritual hunger. The first thing, and I want us all to realize this, hunger is a gift. It's a true gift. We thank God for this gift of hunger because it's a craving for something different, something bigger, and something better. It's what draws us back near to him every single time. So every time you have the opportunity to hear God's word, I encourage you, please take it. Because you may, you may not even realize that God might have something new for you to hear. That would just bless your soul. And I pray this message would do the same thing for you, that it, that, it would, that it would bless you and it would stir up a hunger in you. And the next thing, and I wish I wish this was real in the physical sense as well, hunger must be acted upon or it will fade. What does that mean? Is that this hunger that you have for God, if you don't do something with it, it will disappear. You say, how is that even possible? How can somebody be so hungry for God and then just walk away? Because, friend, that's what a lack of faith will do. It will destroy somebody from the inside out. It will make them think that they have life all figured out because they tried it on their own. They were spiritually dehydrated. They didn't even realize, and now they're spiritually dying of hunger. But the moment they flip the switch, remember, it all starts with a decision. The moment they flip the switch and say, yes, I will hunger after him. I will seek more of him. I will go and sit down with him. 
If Jesus were to ask you, can you give me a glass of water? Would you, would you sit down with him? Would you say, yes, Lord, here it is? Or would you say what I have said a number of times whenever I've, I've been in prayer and I've been battling something and said, Lord, why would you want to sit down with me with all the issues I've been dealing with? I shouldn't be dealing with this. I'm a child of God. I shouldn't even be thinking this way. I shouldn't be thinking about defeat. I shouldn't be thinking about anger. But you realize that that's the reason he's there. Because what attracted, what, what attracted him to you is that your faith, that you wanted something better than this. And another thing hunger does, it produces more hunger. That once I got this, now I want this. And once I want that, I want that. Once I have that, I'm going to go for that. It produces something in you. I'm going to show you something. I want to show you what it looks like sometimes for us to enter into God's presence and do nothing about it. There are going to be sometimes people may not see this on you, but they're there. And the moment you enter God's presence and you chose to keep this, you just chose to stand up here. No one's here? Okay, good. I can go now. No. There's more things that will be produced. And you realize that these situations in your life are combining and they're producing something in you that wasn't there before. And it becomes this cycle of apostasy, falling away from the faith. And it gives you something new in place of faith. And I want you to understand something. Is that God is not surprised by what you're dealing with. He never has been, not even for a moment, but he is just waiting for you to give him, to give him the full, the fullness of your attention. So that way he can start to remove these things. Because the longer you just keep talking about them, they just keep producing on you. But then whenever you enter like this into God's presence saying, Lord, I'm ready to receive the process of victory over all of this. And you just wait for him to move. You will see that that weariness, that hunger, and that thirst is starting to fade away now. And now what's different? They're gone. On the floor where they should have been in the first place. It wasn't difficult for God to remove that. But it's also easy, friend, for you to pick it back up. So I'm going to encourage you tonight as Brother Josh comes. If anything has been trying to overcome you, it could be failure, it could be disappointment, it could be doubt, embarrassment, lies, fear, lust, could be any evil thing. Not only do I want you to allow God to remove this from you, I want you to watch him destroy it right before your eyes. Will you stand to your feet, please? I want you to believe this with me. That no power of the devil is going to overcome God's people. Do you believe that tonight? So then here's what I'm going to need you to do. I need all of you to make a step of action and leave your seat and come stand on this altar with me for a moment. Everyone, please. Every youth, adult, everyone. Think for a moment 
What kind of breakthrough do you need tonight? Are you weary in your spirit? Are you spiritually thirsty? Are you hungry for more? Every eye closed in this place. We're not going to pray yet, but I want you to think. Don't look at me. Don't look at the person around you. It's just you and God right now. Think. Lord, what do I need? What needs to happen in me for breakthrough to happen in my house? Lord, I'm dealing with this. I don't know how else to say it, but this is the reality. I need your help. For anyone that's been dealing with loneliness, this is your way out through Jesus. For anyone who's been dealing with anger, this is your way out through Jesus. Sadness, anxiety, depression, the same thing, all through Jesus. It may not even be you. What if it's someone close to you? What if it's mom and dad? What if it's your husband or wife? What if it's your children? What if it's your best friend? What if it's yourself? Think for a minute. Who needs it? Now, every hand lifted high toward heaven at this very moment. God wants to deliver. He wants to deliver you from whatever that situation is. He wants to deliver the people around you from whatever the situation is. It starts with faith and it ends with faith. This entire journey that you've been walking on through battles, allow for faith to operate in you. Now I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray as well, against every single trial, every single obstacle, and say, Lord, I receive breakthrough in every possible way in Jesus' name. I don't want us to be quiet on this. As I begin to pray, I want you to lift your voice in prayer as well. Believing that God is going to move right now. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we are believing for breakthrough to happen in every possible way, in every possible household that's represented, every person that is here. We pray that you would begin to speak to them in ways that they, that they couldn't hear before. Give them an increase of faith. And give them the reminder that there is a greater victory that is on the way in Jesus' mighty name. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. You have no authority over any one of God's people. We're declaring right now that breakthrough will begin. And we will leave leave aside every evil principality that's tried to break us at this very moment in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Begin to lift your voice in prayer and declare your victory tonight. Don't let this be just another regular moment. But let your victory come right now. It's here in the room, and God is responding to your faith tonight. He wants you to be reminded that he loves you, that he believes in you, that he's always fought for you. He's never left you alone, and he never will. Even in the middle of the worst of situations, even in the middle of sickness, even in the middle of desperation, God is still there. And he's saying, I'm not finished with you yet. I want to do an incredible work in your life. I want to use you as a light in the midst of darkness. I want to use you as a beacon of light to a city that needs a savior. I want to use you to bring hope to somebody else.